I am Bishop Robert Gruss, the Bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City. In late May of 2015, the Diocese of Rapid City began an envisioning process meant to assist in clearly defining a course for ministry for the diocese for the next three to five years. The outcome of this process would help to strengthen and focus the resources of the diocese so that more effective ministry could be carried out in building up the church in western South Dakota. From this planning process came the Diocesan Priority Plan, outlining a carefully defined mission statement to serve as the foundation. It also produced a set of core values that guides how we conduct ourselves as the diocese. A five-year vision statement to direct our plans, three major priorities for the diocese with supporting goals, and goals for the foundational ministries of the church in western South Dakota. In July of 2016, I completed a pastoral letter entitled, Through Him, With Him, and In Him, A Spiritual Guide to the Diocesan Priority Plan. This document clearly defines the priority plan, and I have invited and encouraged every one of the dioceses to read and fully engage this pastoral plan so that, as our sacred mission states, each of us can do our part in attracting and forming intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ leading to eternal life. What you are about to hear is a reading from Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan followed by a group discussion with a panel of laymen and women and me. We continue with a reading of the core values. The core value of solidarity. The third core value is solidarity. In the priority plan, this is defined as recognizing and accepting all people as brothers and sisters in Christ, being responsible for the common good of all. The Catechism of the Catholic Church clearly states that solidarity is an eminently Christian value in the way that it practices the sharing of spiritual and material goods. As disciples of Jesus, we have a personal, social, and Christian responsibility to be neighbors to all people. It stems from the reality that we are all created in God's image and likeness, and our fundamental rights flow from the dignity intrinsic in each person. Respect for the human person implies that the other is another self, or even more precisely, another Christ. Not only is love for others a command, there is an unbreakable bond between the love of God and love of neighbor. St. John expresses it in this way. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has not seen, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Pope Benedict XVI expresses John's revelation in another way, writing, quote, The love of neighbor is a path that leads to the encounter with God and that closing our eyes to our neighbor also blinds us to God. End of quote. To be in solidarity with others is to see them as God sees them, to love them as God loves them, and to sacrifice for them as Christ has sacrificed for them. United together, we are the body of Christ, and every time we neglect others in the body, the whole body suffers. When we live in solidarity and charity, the body of Christ is built up, there is communion, and the kingdom of God is made manifest. 
Pope Francis, in the joy of the gospel, challenges us when he says, quote, Each individual Christian in every community is called to be an instrument of God for the liberation and promotion of the poor and for enabling them to be fully a part of society. This demands that we be docile and attentive to the cry of the poor and come to their aid. End of quote. Solidarity also speaks to an ecumenism, a striving for unity in the Church, an attitude of openness toward all people, Catholics, other Christians, people of other faiths, and those with no faith. This unity must involve the whole Church, faithful and clergy alike. It is the desire of Jesus himself. He had a concern for the soul of every person, for it was every person for whom he came to die so that they may have eternal life. So too are we called to share in that concern. Jesus prayed for the unity of his disciples and continues to do so. In John's Gospel we hear, quote, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. End of quote. Christ always gives his church the gift of unity but the members of the body of Christ have a responsibility to pray and work to maintain, reinforce, and perfect the unity that Christ wills for her. The work of solidarity does not exclusively consist in activities, projects, programs, and assistance. It includes an attentiveness to the other in the form of our own docility, an open heart that seeks to love, an open ear that seeks to listen and an open dialogue that seeks to understand the plight and the needs of others. In the end, the dignity of the human person and the pursuit of the common good are what must shape the ministry of solidarity. I now share with you behaviors which exemplify this core value of solidarity. We will create an attitude of openness toward all people, Catholics, other Christians, people of other faiths, and those with no faith. We will be united to those who suffer from inequality, poverty, and injustice. We will be open-minded to people and their needs in our diverse cultures. We will look to the scriptures and Catholic social teaching for guidance on how to be in solidarity. We will prayerfully build a consensus and charitably support all decisions. We will work collaboratively and respectfully as brothers and sisters in Christ across the diocese and the world. In looking at this core value of solidarity, all people and families of the diocese are encouraged to reflect upon the way in which they are currently living this core value, assessing its centrality in their lives. Each person is asked to reflect upon those behaviors just mentioned, which exemplify this core value in his or her assessment, and consider how one might more fully embrace this life of solidarity. It is what the Lord demands of us, and it is one of the highest forms of charity. 
Well, I'd like to welcome our panel with us today as we begin this conversation regarding the core value of solidarity. I would like the panel to, to introduce themselves and say a little bit about who they are. Uh, Leon Lunders, I am a parishioner here at the Our Lady of Perpetual Help Cathedral Parish, and I work with the St. Vincent de Paul Society in helping our, uh, the people in our community who live in poverty, and we do what we can to help them through their strife in life. Great, thank you. Welcome, Leon. I'm Amy Julian. I attend St. Joseph Parish in Spearfish, and I also mm -hmm. work for the diocese as the director of family life, and in that capacity also serve as the diocesan representative on the Social Justice Commission. And so we have an opportunity to d dive into solidarity quite a bit through the commission. Great. Well, welcome, Amy. It's good to have you with us today. I'm Jim Kenyon. Um, I'm a member of Cathedral and also the Executive Director of Catholic Social Services for the past 27 years. And then in addition, um, I'm the Chair for the Diocesan Disaster Committee uh, that tries to assist families who have been impacted by hail or storm or tornado, those kinds of issues, and um, coordinate a response to that. Great. Well, welcome to all of you. You're, you're part of this panel is because I think you, you know, this is a core value um, in our diocesan priority plan. And um, you've been invited to be a part of this panel because you live this core value in your own life and in your own ministry. And so why don't you just kind of share a little bit about that. So I'm going to just kind of dive in. How does the, this, this core value of solidarity play out in your own life and ministry? Well, for me, since I came into the church almost 20 years ago, after Mass, um, every Mass, I pray that I can see God in those around me and that those around me can see God in me. And it has really transformed the eyes that I have toward the people around me, that I can see them more with the eyes of God. And I can have a love for them and a desire to serve for them that is far more than just that kind of general feeling of goodwill, but that, that actually drives me to try to serve people through the church and also just serving our neighbors um, when somebody's sick and just trying to see God in them and always recognize their dignity, always recognize that they're a child of God. Yeah, and the best way for me to answer that is I, there have been occasions where I've said to Bishop, you know, I, as the Director of Catholic Social Services, I think I'm one of the most fortunate people in the whole diocese. Mm -hmm. And, and I tell him, you know, you need to do my job more often because you have to deal with administrative headaches and budgets and all the complexities. And basically, Catholic Social Services' mission is to try and be God's mercy alive and present in western South Dakota. And that has led to some tremendous encounters with, for me personally and I know for my whole team um, in seeing Christ in those who are in need and those who are um, striving to get their life back on the right track. And it lets you live from the heart more often. And you see extraordinary recovery and you see transitions that people make that are just absolutely amazing. Um, so it, it's a real blessing to do what I do. And I'm always grateful for the diocese and all the support that you give us to help us try and be about that. Um, and I'm very aware that whenever I meet with a family in crisis, Really, all those who support the diocese and who support my work are right there with me because otherwise it wouldn't be possible. As part of the St. Vincent de Paul Society, we meet people every day 
who are in crisis situations. Tell us a little bit about the St. Vincent de Paul Society. What is that? It's actually a society uh, worldwide that helps all people, all of every race, color, creed, uh, help them through their crisis in life, who are living in poverty. And we at St. Vincent de Paul have to work very hard to look past our human frailties because these people come to us and we realize that they probably are where they are because they have made poor decisions in the past. And we have to look at them as people of Christ and help them. You know, some people would judge them harshly, but we have to overcome that and and help them because they are people of Christ. You know, the first um, tenant in our Catholic social teaching, really, is is about um, seeing every individual as having dignity that comes from being created in God's image and likeness, no? And that's like where, so when we're talking about solidarity, that's really where it begins, that we're in solidarity because um, because of our, of, of our dignity that God has given to us because we have been created in God's image and likeness. Mm-hmm. In other words, so as, as we look at people and the dignity of others, no matter who they are, where they are, what color they are, what nationality they are, it doesn't really matter. But in some sense, isn't solidarity about seeing another person as oneself? In other words, it goes back to the two great commandments that Jesus gave us, or really the one commandment that he gave us, was love God above all things with our whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, right? And then love our neighbor as ourselves. Solidarity is really love in action. And that the early Christians, you know, people could tell they were Christians because they could say, see how much they love one another. That their love was evident by the way that they um, manifested their care for one another and dealing with each other and taking care of each other. Yeah. You know, I found when I read your book, Bishop, and it's just a great piece that really, I spent some time really thinking about in part in terms of my own life and my work. And you say the church seeks but one solitary goal, to carry forward the work of Christ under the leadership of the befriending Holy Spirit. Christ entered this world to give witness to the truth, to rescue and not sit in judgment, and to serve and not to be served. Unpacking that, there's a tremendous amount in that. In other words, what we're really getting back to is that same thing. You know, I go to church and I listen to the word, and I've had years of formation. Some of that in elementary school, some of it through religious education, my my home, through my parish, through you know, uh, undergraduate in philosophy, minor in theology. <clears throat> it wasn't really, in some ways, until I encountered a very little girl who's experiencing extraordinary poverty and looked into her eyes and all of that information that was given to me finally shifted from my head to my heart because I was looking at the eyes of a little girl who was in extraordinary peril, a little two-year-old girl. And I, and I suggest she's the greatest catechist of my whole life because for the first time she became my brother and sister in Christ. And I realized that if I experience the love of God, I'm called to try and be that love of God to this person in a very concrete way. Mm-hmm. It is the love of God that not only inspires us um, to, to understand our own value, but to understand that's what we're called to be in the world. 
and that the formation and even the grace and the, the sacraments that I received are really the legs to drive the heart of the gospel into the world that I live in. And that, in a very specific way, is my call, my Christian call, to try and live up to. So that piece that you wrote is just extraordinary. It's just an extraordinary call. Um, and it's an understanding of God's love for me that gives me the, the, the privilege to be about his work in the world. You know, the um, Jesus in the Gospels, as we all know this, and um, he, he says, you will always have the poor among you. Right? Isn't that what he said? Yeah. So some people might think, well, if we have the poor among us, how can we really, you know, how can we solve, you know, the, you know, the world's poverty when we're always going to have the poor among us? But I think something you just said, Jim, I think is, and perhaps maybe, you know, maybe this was in the mind and the heart of Jesus as he says that you always have the poor among, among us. Well, isn't it from your experience, Jim, and I would suspect from your experience, Amy, and your experience, Leon, that... And this example that you just shared, Jim, is that the poor teaches us something. No? Absolutely. And, 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 and at the same time, I realized my own poverty. So in other words, I had been formed and educated and grew up in a family that, not, not a wealthy family, but a family of means. And yet I was indifferent to, and not out of mean-spiritedness, just from a lack of connection with my neighbor. Just from a lack of... <clears throat> And, and, and it was a stark awakening that, oh, my God, we've got children like this that live in our diocese mm -hmm. right here. They don't have to go to Africa. Um, they're right here. But th that's exactly right. I mean, it, there's a poverty in them, but there's also a giftedness in them. And that's the piece that I sometimes have to remember, that when I leave them in a place where they don't realize their God-given ability and opportunity to bring their gift to the broader world, that's that's equally disabling. So that one up and one down encounter really needs to be an invitation to bring their gift to the broader community that's intended. We find this every day at St. Vincent de Paul. We get 10, 15 calls a day of people, just as you describe them. And, and one of the behaviors to add to this, which exemplify the core of solidarity, is we would work collaboratively and respectfully with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And we really tried to do that, even though we know that they have made poor decisions. We know that, because when we get on the phone with them, we ask them, how did you end up here? And they, and they give you their best explanation. And some of it is truthful. Some of it we know is not truthful, but we help them anyway, if we can. Some we can help, some we can't, but we try to help everyone. And solidarity gives us the eyes to see beyond those choices or those decisions that they made to see them as that child of God, you know, to, to give us that urgency to serve them, you know, as that beloved son or daughter of the king. And that's what helps us to see beyond that and gives us the compassion that goes beyond the headlines and the hyperbole of the news and whatnot. You know, we just ended, we're just about to the mm -hmm. end of the Christmas season. Right, mm -hmm. and what is that a celebration of? But God entering into the world, into the poor of the world. God came into the world to be poor, mm -hmm. right? As a poor, I mean, to think about being born and put in a in a in a feeding trough for animals. I mean, how much more 
poverty could you could, could one see? Mm-hmm. You know that our own Savior chose to be poor and come into the world in such a poor way. When you know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, mm-hmm. you know could have came in in any other way and entered into human history in any other yeah. way, but this was a choice that he made to be poor and enter into the world as a poor person. And really, I think, is an example for all of us that, you know, we, you know, if, if we're going to model our Savior, mm-hmm. um, if we're going to model our Master, it's really us seeking a life of, of poverty, in some sense, spiritual poverty in a way. I mean, blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says. And it's in that can we see, really recognize and see and choose to become a part of um, the poverty of others, I think, don't Mm-hmm. His incarnation was the ultimate act of solidarity, yeah. you know, becoming one with those we can love. You know, there's a beautiful um, quote in, in this through him with him and him from Pope Benedict, and he and he expresses, um, you know, Saint John's revelation. You know, in Saint John's writings, he says the love of neighbor, which is really what solidarity is about, mm-hmm. is a path that leads to the encounter with God, and that closing our eyes to our neighbor also blinds us to God. You know, my, my response to that, again, I said, when I, and again, you know, it, this encounter happened so many times in Bishop Bay. When you and Leon went down with us to Pine Ridge, and um, we were down working on trailers trying to replace siding for families, there was this little boy that kept interfering. And we were out, Trying to Bishop was up with a with a with a hammer with a with a with a nail gun nail gun, you know up on the ladder up on top and this this wonderful little boy who comes in and you can just see he's he's living in very humble world, on on zip coat. Pants with holes in them, shoes one with one sock and no sock in the other and he just keeps kind of wandering under and, I couldn't help but wonder you know and and he kept on saying you know. So I'm going to be careful because I'm afraid I'm going to drop this, you know, and you could see that concern. And so when you finally came the, came down the ladder and sort of suggested maybe you should stand over here, I sat there and thought, I wonder if this little boy has any idea that that's the bishop talking to him, that really that's his shepherd. He probably doesn't even know what a bishop is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was pretty aware that you knew that he was one of your sheep. I knew that you knew that he belonged to the family of God. And when he belongs to the family of God, you are a shepherd. And to take a moment to, so it's clear to me just in your concern to try and keep him safe, and to take the time, a full day, to go down and put sighting on people's trailers that none of us will ever know or none of us will ever meet again. Um, it makes clear to us that you're inviting all of us as Catholic community to step forward and to come to know the little boys like that in all of our own community and the little girls like that in all of our own communities. And so to say thank you for that willingness to say, not only not only did we do it, Bishop said, when am I going? And I wasn't exactly ready for that response. And I was glad Leon was around to help. That was a, that was a great thing. Glad to be there. I mean, I, I mean, it says it's, it's just a beautiful experience to, you know, I don't think we can live in solidarity, to be honest, until we acknowledge the great gifts that we've been given. Mm-hmm. You know, and really, I mean, those 
it's not just it's not just an acknowledgement in the head. Oh, thank you, God, for all you've given to me, and then move on to the next thought. Mm-hmm. But really, to allow that gratitude to sink deep into our hearts, because that's that's where it is. I think solidarity stems precisely from our own experience of being loved in this relationship with God. You know, because we can't give away anything that we haven't. Mm-hmm received you know so i can't give away love toward people i don't know or love toward people who live in poverty who i know in my head they're part of my flock but that's not the same as just knowing they're part of my flock as as allowing one's heart to move them to action because they realize the breadth and the depth and the life of the charity that god has given to us and to experience that love within us, and then we can give it away. We can't give it away if we don't have an experience of ourselves, no? Mm-hmm. There's hardly a day goes by that I don't think about the poverty locally and around the world and think that only by the grace of God I am here rather than there. And I'm, I'm so fortunate to have been born where I have been and grew up in the family that I did. Mm-hmm. And in that way, it always allows me to look at the next person and say, I could be that person and help them. And it goes, you know, out of that gratefulness and that gratitude, that sense of, you know, gratitude for all that we have, also that sense of hope and trust that that will always be there, that gives us the freedom to act in the generosity that allows us to act out our solidarity. You know, the more we have hope and assured certain hope that God will continue to provide for us, then we don't have to cling to what we do have. You know, we can be generous with our response to those who we love through the eyes of God, whether or not we know them personally or whether they're the person we met through the same friends at the ball. Yeah. You know, though, it kind of... So sometimes it is a matter of the decisions that people make that lead them to economic crisis or... Or, or personal crisis, or family crisis, whatever that is. But, you know, it wasn't until I started connecting the dots between the two-year-old little girl that I worked with, realizing her situation, and just like the little boy who was probably, what, seven, did you guess? I would say was some, he was somewhere in that age group. Yeah. This little boy was living in a world that he had no siding on two sides of his trailer. He had no windows on two sides of his trailer. <clears throat> And there are 10 people living in that trailer. And it was 20 degrees outside. Wind tw- blowing. <laughs> and we were in November. And we spent the whole winter now. And it's not just him. It's, it's what Sister reminded me when she kind of confronted me. After I met this little girl, I went into this rage. And I was so angry. And literally, I don't do this often, but I was cussing in front of a nun. <laughs> and she stopped me and she looked at me and she said, Dan, Jim, you have every right to be angry at the community, at the society, at family members that leave this little girl in this tortured <clears throat> situation. But you know, have no right to allow your anger to afford you to be indifferent to the needs of that little girl. You're the director of Catholic Social Services. And it's your job to help try and make a difference for her and the hundreds of other kids like her across her diocese. And they're not only in in Ogallala. They're in Rapid City. They're yeah. in Newell. 
And it's overwhelming sometimes. Because sometimes we think the government is the answer to all problems. And I'm not suggesting the government doesn't play a role. But really, it's the movement of each individual heart and engagement in concrete ways in the world in which we live that we bring Christ's presence and make him manifest just as Jesus was born in that stable. We make incarnate the love of God in the world. That's that's who we are as Catholics. So, so why is solidarity sometimes so difficult to live out? At least in the sense, in the, in, in the way that Jesus calls us to that in our world today. Why, why is that? Fear. Fear, I think. <laughs> fear, judgment. What, what are people afraid of? What, what would people be afraid of? You know, I always think about Mother Teresa looking over the wall in Calcutta and seeing as far as she could see nothing but shantytown. And, and that's how sometimes I feel like is, my God, the need is so large. What could I possibly do to make any difference? Mm-hmm. And Mother Teresa often said, if you can't afford to give a loaf of bread to the poor, then give them a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. In other words, she knows once I moved into this beginning, I begin to find that how wealthy I really am. And how much meaning I have in my life when I begin to do that. And I don't do that all the time. I don't do that well all the time. That's my kids, my wife. They'll tell you, I get very impatient. But it is true. We're all afraid we're going to be asked to nurse an elephant. There's only a certain amount of me. And that's true. And there is a point where we have to say, stop. But in America, we're pretty quick to say, stop, I'm afraid. We've been taught a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, when it comes down to do I donate to Bishop's um, capital campaign, um, $80 a month. Well, I can't afford to do that because it costs me my cell phone and my, and my cable bill. I don't know how Jesus is going to look at me when he, when he asked me that question. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that's going to go. Yeah. You know? Well, with St. Vincent de Paul, we have a very limited budget. And we find that the people's requests for, for help far exceed our ability to help them financially. That's why our home visits are so important and we bring Christ into the conversation. And even though we can only partially help them in, in some way, we at least let them know we love them and we care about them. And in some cases, we do what we possibly can financially and wish them well and feel like a complete failure when we leave. But we know we've left them with the word of Christ. and. They feel, hopefully they feel loved and that we did care for them. And they understand that we can't fix them entirely. They do understand that. And they're just grateful that we give them whatever we do give them. And that gift of time that you give to them, particularly with St. Vincent de Paul and your home visits, is really invaluable. And, and many times I think more important than the gift of money we might give. And I think that's how many of us, we suffer from a poverty of time as much or more as we suffer from a poverty of riches. And so when I think of solidarity, I think of not just the money I can put into a collection basket, but the time that I can spend with someone affirming their dignity in the eyes of God and their dignity in my eyes, that they don't feel like just a charity, but they feel like a sister or a brother. And we've filled our lives with so much stuff, you know, that saps away at that time you know, to me, I think we need to look at budgeting not only our money so that we can be charitable with our money, but also our time. And right. look at how am I serving? How am I taking time to serve my brother and my sister, even if it's my neighbor and shoveling their snow? Right. Yeah. 
That's why I think, you know, it's sometimes people think, well, I, I don't have anything to give, you know. And oftentimes, you know, people's view of solidarity is, is in regard to material things. Mm -hmm. But what would happen if, if everyone began to pray for the poor daily? I may not have something to give spiritually, but, it, but all of us can give <laughs> something spiritually. Mm -hmm. And that's our prayers. And as we raise the poor up to the Lord and ask the Lord to attend to their deepest needs, that's giving something. And that's, in some way, it, it might not be allowing us to be materially united to the poor, but it allows us to be spiritually united, you know, to the poor. Mm -hmm. And asking the Lord, help me to experience poverty in my own heart, you know, so that I can see the poverty in others a little bit easier, mm -hmm. a little bit clearer. And um, perhaps... That, that would then foster in, in our hearts a, a more of an encouragement to, to get involved in the lives of the poor. It's a, great, it's a great piece, you know, when Mother Teresa talks about there is no greater poverty than to be alienated and to be alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's so true. I mean, like, there, she uses that great story. They hear that great story about her picking up a man out of the street who's dying in a gutter, and he... When Mother Teresa brought him into her place, she, he said, you know, he said, I'm in the arms of an angel. A minute ago, I thought I was going to die alone in a gutter. Now I'm dying in the hands of an angel. Yeah. Um, it is that encounter, that presence that we bring with and to one another. And it also is enriching for me and for us And when we do this. In other words, when I look back and I ask, what in my life have I really done that's probably changed the path, the trajectory for that two-year-old little girl? Now, despite 26 years of trying, I don't know that I can definitely say anything. But I know she's changed me. And that I'm richer from my encounter with her and her wealth. Just the presence of God in her helped awaken in me an understanding that I had I had it in my head, but it wasn't a matter of really encountering that in my heart. And I'm wealthy because of that. And so I pray prayers of gratitude for that encounter in my life. You know, we're, we're running out of time. At the end of each of chapter, there's um, always listed um, behaviors which exemplify the core values. And so, you know, as we conclude here, I just give you each an opportunity to share, if, if you can, um, what are behaviors which exemplify this core value of, of solidarity that perhaps people can see that in ways they haven't seen before and, and begin to put into practice? I know the Hope for New Life jail ministry that we have in our diocese is a great example of solidarity. Um, and it doesn't involve giving money at all, but it's people taking the time to spend time with people actually in jail and serve their spiritual needs and affirm that presence of Christ within that person. And that's an incredibly tangible example of solidarity to me. Yeah, another way that really sticks out for me, you know, we've got a program <clears throat> Tracy Palachek leads, it's called the Prosperity Initiative. And part of that goal is to try and help educate and inform people of what the culture of poverty is and how it works. And she does a lot of Poverty 101 seminars to help educate people, to help them kind of understand how it is that people arrive where they're at and to still have some empathy and learn some effective ways to use our limited resources to actually be an asset and assistance and lift people up rather than to band-aid problems. And, and if people are interested in that, I would really encourage them to follow up with Tracy at my office. She does a great job um, and would be happy to present in parishes if there's 
opportunity. And with the St. Vincent de Paul Society, as I said previously, to work collaboratively and respectfully with our brothers and sisters, another one that would that really hits home is to be united to those who suffer inequality, poverty, and injustice. And and like you, Jim, we would uh, put out an open invitation to anyone who's interested in joining us as the St. Vincent de Paul Society. There's only a few of us that that are working in the society, and we need help as much as we need money. It's a great need out there. It is. Well, we've come to the end of our time. It goes fast, doesn't it? But I would like to just leave us with this thought. You know, when we are united together, we are the living body of Christ. We are the living body of Christ. But every time we neglect others in the body, the whole body suffers. You know, St. Paul tells us in, in his letter to the Corinthians. But when we live in solidarity and charity, the whole body of Christ is built up. And when that happens, there's communion. And more importantly, the kingdom of God is made manifest. And so let's conclude with a prayer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go now in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God.